Welcome to another episode of Hand of Pod. Clever introductory joke this week. There's never a clever introductory joke. There's not even an introductory joke normally this week. Uh, welcome to the Pod, everybody. I'm Sam Kelly. This week, I'm joined by English Dan. Hello and welcome. And I'm Driss. Hello and welcome. Uh, if a very small part of your audio sounds a little bit echoey, then it's because the uh, windsock thing that's over the microphone is well and truly torn, and there's an unprotected bit of microphone poking out now. It really has seen Apologize better days, us. I can tell you. The problem isn't the microphone, by the way, don't worry. That's absolutely fine. It's just a rather cheap uh, windsock that doesn't fit very well that I fit over it. It's not the alcohol. No, it's not. Um... The podcast is sponsored by Fanatis. They're a wonderful service. They allow all of you listening to this from outside Argentina to watch the Superliga, the Copa Superliga, which is towards the end of the season. It's not on at the moment. The Copa Argentina, which is on right now as we are recording. And we're watching Tacheres versus Banfield. Doesn't seem like a match that would inspire you to subscribe it's very very exciting you definitely want to watch it you should go and uh, subscribe to Fanatis for it there we go Yes, as, as Dan was just saying Indeed. Uh, before I uh, accidentally started Correct. talking over him to reinforce the opinion that he was already giving you mm. uh, you can become a Fanatis member subscriber whatever you want to call it uh, and get 20% off your first three months with them by going to fntz.co slash hop and then by using the discount code H-O-P-F-Z, go and do it now, please. Mm-hmm. And thank you if you already have done. You're all helping to make the podcast a slightly happier place for those of us sitting around this table at the moment. Not that money buys happiness, of course, but it doesn't uh, sell it either. No, Would it doesn't. the other way? It, yeah. it buys relaxation. It buys food. To, to which, a certain yeah. degree. Um, which is always good. Indeed it is. Uh, this week... The matches that we're going to be talking about went as follows. On Saturday, Arsenal de Sarandí thrashed Union 4-1. Roaring back to form there. Indeed they were, cutting short their terrible run of two consecutive defeats. Godoy Cruz um, lost at home 1-0 to Argentinos Juniors. Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero also lost at home to Defensa y Justicia. Was that Defensa's first win of the season? I think it might be. Possibly. Yes, I think. Yes, it no, it wasn't. It was the second win of the season. Oh, um, we're misremembering something. Colón got a two-one home win over San Lorenzo, and then River Plate did what River Plate do when teams decide to defend high against them. Uh, they beat Huracan four-nil in the Palacio on Sunday. In Diego Maradona's first game in charge of Gimnasia es Grima La Plata, things did not go to plan for him. They lost two-one at home to the champions of Argentina, Racing Club. Later on that day, Tacheres got a 1-0 win over Banfield. The Clásico Rosarino finished all square, 1-1, between Central and Newells. Independiente and Lanús also finished all square, that one was 2-2. And then in the evening, Boca Juniors 
did what Boca Juniors do and won 1-0 against Estudiantes de la Plata. On Monday evening, Aldo Civi versus Patronato finished 1-1 and Vélez Sarsfield versus Atlético Tucumán finished 1-0 to Vélez, who I didn't see but apparently were good again because... That always seems to be the impression, yeah. Um, we're going to begin, I think, with the game that at least this time last week everybody was all hyping themselves up for. Now that it's actually happened... People, at least outside Argentina, don't seem quite as bothered about the fact that Diego Maradona is managing in Argentine football. <laughs> but a few days ago, this was all about, oh, it's Maradona's first game. So, how did Maradona's first game actually go, chaps? What can we say? It was, first of all, yeah, a 2-1 win for Racing, their second consecutive win after that very um, low-key start to their title defence. Uh a guy who I will remember in two seconds, whose name... Who are you going for? The goal scorers? The goal scorers, yes. The first goal scorer of Diego Racing, Gonzalez. Of, who was, of course, Diego Gonzalez. Scored from a header, ably assisted by Gimnasia goalkeeper Alexis Martin Arias, who just let the ball slip, was it? It was for his legs, right? Uh, um, I think the ball yes. dropped. Just kind of wriggled yes. through, yeah. Um, Gimnasia hit back at the start of the second half through, of course, their number 10 in in tribute to Diego, uh, Matias Garcia, with, also with a header, which uh, also went past a goalkeeper called Arias, who this time didn't have, couldn't do anything about it. Mm. Um, and 37 seconds later, just after Racing had uh, resumed the game, uh, they scored. A very nice team move was polished off by Matias Aracho, who popped up to poke the ball home behind Adias. And yeah, from there, both teams had a couple more chances, probably should have scored a few more goals. Um, Garcia, Gimnasia's number 10, had a fantastic chance to, to level it right at the end where when he missed what I've seen oh, described yeah. quite charmingly, actually, as a, as a penalty in motion. I was quite taken with that um, with that phrase. Uh, blazed it over the bar. Um, Maradona wasn't particularly happy. Um, there was kind of a little bit of uh, mystery before the game whether he would um, he would say hello to Wara Caldet. Caldet, of course, being a, a former standard bearer of uh, River Plate, mm. and apparently, you know, since obviously Boca River Diego everything to do with River haven't always had the best relationship but they had a nice little cuddle had a few words uh, but Maradona wasn't, wasn't very impressed by Racing he said I didn't like their football at all um, which oh, begs the question what did he think of Gymnasius um, because while they did show a lot more intensity I thought a lot more fight they, they pressed Racing well when they got the ball for large swathes of the game they still really don't know what to do with it. Um, no. I, I it's a problem, were, really. I thought that in spite of Racing going in 1-0 up at the break, Gimnasio maybe shaded the first half, but that was largely to do with spirit rather than any actual sort of football getting played. And it was also to do with Racing making some mistakes that we kind of saw a couple of weeks ago against River, perhaps defending a little bit higher up the pitch mm. than they should have been doing. The difference, of course, being that Gimnasio 
don't have quite as good an attack as River Plate do. Not quite, no. Not, probably not the most revealing assessment that you're going to be <laughs> hearing this week on Hand of Pod, but it, it does bear saying. Um, in the second half, yeah, I mean, Racing, you know, made their the difference in quality show w- without really having to overly exert themselves too much, I thought, apart from obviously that minor scare when Gymnasia were level. For, minor uh, for you, maybe. I'll shit myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, on the face of it, I, you could say it's it was probably the expected result. Um, a narrow Racing win if you looked at kind of the form going into to the game from each team's. Um, I think that Maradona won't be um, devastated by the by the defeat. Maybe you saw there is a little bit to work with um, at Gymnasia, uh, but it. On the other hand, it's another defeat, and it drags Gymnasia further down into. I mean, it's not even relegation mire, is it? It's relegation just a drift. muck. It's the fourth swamp um, bog. Yeah, fourth or fifth league defeat in the, of the season. They have uh, five defeats and one they draw. Have yes. Yeah, they drew the very first game away to Lanús. And judging by their upcoming fixtures, it's not going to get any easier. I think they've got possibly Huracan at home and then River away or something along if those they, if lines. If my phone's right, while well, I'm looking at it, they're away to Tacheres. Tacheres and then River, I think, at home. And then, yeah, then at home to River. Yeah. And then away to Godoy Cruz, which could be possibly some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe. Yeah, but will it be light too little too late? Too, too uh, far adrift by that point. Yeah. Um, this game did also provide us what, with what was, in my opinion, the funniest sight of the weekend. The Diego the, um, the the Maradona well oh actually that was very good as well yeah TNT Sports so the match was on on the on the football package it was on Fox Sports Premium uh, and TNT the other channel put on their YouTube live for everybody to see whether you were on a uh, on the YouTube um, on on the um, uh, subscribe to the Paquete Football or not whether you were in Argentina or not um, they they just put a, a camera that was fixed on Diego Maradona for the entire match. I was um, told that Fox also used that camera and they had it, you know, um, on their non-premium channels when they usually mm-hmm. just showed the stands and a commentary. Oh, and they showed that. They so. had Diego out there for their entire match. It was incredible because uh, he barely could move, and but when the ball came to him, because there was a moment in which uh, he received the ball, mm. he was like, he transformed and and, and he well stopped it as the way he, he can do it. And made it not make to Sitanich when they had there and, and like. Uh, and Sitanich came in and gave him a little cuddle as well afterwards. Yeah. Oh, that was good. What was your moment, Sam? My moment Sorry was the post-match interview where immediately when when the uh, final whistle <laughs> went, the the reporter scuffled over to interview Maradona, and Maradona just refused to stand still to be interviewed. He just kept striding across the pitch towards his players. Obviously, mm. he's not really striding. It's more of a waddle at the moment because of his recent surgery. Um, which meant that the poor bloke who was holding the sponsors board behind for the, the post-match interviews had to run along behind him. And so the cameraman was obviously walking backwards over there. And, and what we saw was Maradona walking across the pitch, talking to um, Benedetto, it yeah. was, wasn't it, in interviewing him, with this... What, what appeared from our perspective watching the TV to just be this board just moving behind him slightly wonkily and then you saw when he stopped for a second you saw the guy's head sort of stare around the board to see like has he stopped can I, can I stand here now and then Maradona set off again he was like oh bloody hell I've got to run I it found it very very amusing pretty much the only time that morning that someone in a gymnasia shirt had broken free of an opponent hey. I'd say. 
Very good. Well done. But at, at least they scored the goal because I I, I really I honestly thought they would even be able to score. No, uh, so indeed, uh, it is their third goal of the season. Um, but yeah, they did very well to get it. Um, so that's some perhaps small in it amount of. of Another fun thing about that game was um, Claudio Paulcanisha being in the corporate stands. Inception. Pla- Claudio Paul watching Claudio Paul because during the second half, Claudio Espinelli, who is named, I think he must oh, be yes. named, given that he's yes, got the same yes, little yes. name, um, after Claudio Paul Canisia uh, took to the pitch. Indeed. And so we momentarily, plus they've both got long quite spread. yes there's not much in common between the two in terms of talent but they they're both blonde bombshells mm. that's mm. that's for sure absolutely um, we will move on and we're going to move on to the league leaders Boca Juniors thanks to San Lorenzo dropping points on Saturday Boca had the opportunity to take the uh, summit take the summit does that make sense yes to yeah, rest the summit from San Lorenzo's hands. Uh, yeah, whatever. You know what we mean. They yes. had the opportunity to go top of the table, and they did. They got a one 0 win over Estudiantes, uh, which means that after six matches, Boca have won four, drawn two. They still have yet to concede a goal. Mm. They're not the most thrilling team to watch, um, but they're doing a good job. And there's been quite a lot of discussion, which is one of the reasons I wanted to make this one of the first games that we talk about this week about whether Boca are actually playing well or not. And this is typically romantic and ill-thought-out stuff from a lot of the pundits that, that I've seen making the points of, oh, they can't be playing well because they're not exciting to watch and they don't score goals, <laughs> as if that's the same thing as playing well. Um, and then other people saying, yeah, but they also don't concede goals, and that surely is also a mark of, of playing well. They defend well, and that's a part of the game. And then if they score once, like they did, it's... All, they have almost done, uh, all of the job done because, of course, they are, they are defending tre- tremendously well, um, and and of course the, you win by by scoring goals. And if you score one and you don't you don't concede goals, you win. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean the last goal they conceded. They've played eleven games so far in this two thousand nineteen uh, two thousand and twenty season, according to my very ad hoc calculations in my head. Okay. Uh, six Superliga, four Libertadores, and uh, Copa Argentina. Oh, Copa Argentina is the best thing. Uh, which was the one game they conceded a goal in. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah, the solitary goal um, against Almagro of, of the Primera B. Uh, wait a minute. The Primera Nacional, sorry. Yes. Um, yes. It's difficult to re- the game, yeah, division. A game in which uh, the first choice keeper, Andrada Morova, wasn't involved. So mm. he is now 10 games without conceding a goal. Uh, which is almost a professional era record, I believe, or it will be in the next game. It's very close. I think I'm right in saying he got the Boca record mm-hmm. a week or two ago, because I mentioned it on the podcast, didn't I? Yeah. And he's closing in on the overall top-flight professional era uh, yes. record for any club, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it's um, it's not a coincidence. They're very strong in defence, um, and they have a very good keeper. He made a... A couple of decent saves again against Estudiantes, who we should also uh, point out were guilty of, of squandering a couple of chances. Um, only a couple. I mean, they didn't. For, for all of the yeah, only a couple. Grief of that. that Boca are taking for supposedly being boring. I thought Estudiantes were 
Estudiantes are crap. I mean, we we know this. I mean, Boca played them off the pitch for large parts of the game. I mean, and, and Sebastian Misha, um, I, I thought was as much to blame for for Boca not winning by more goals um, than any supposed lack of football that Boca actually showed. Misha just keeps. I mean, he's doing what Christian Pavon was doing last season. He's running it down a blind alley and then shonking it into the stands. Yeah, quite a lot of the time. Sometimes he, he sets up a decent chance, which gets missed, maybe. Yeah. But I mean. And how much can you blame Boca? I mean, you know their priority is going to be the Copa Libertadores, yeah. but they're grinding out wins in the Superliga, and it's a team, I think they went ahead about three or four minutes in. I mean, are they really... If they're, ha- if they're ahead and they're looking comfortable, why would they just chuck everything forward and, and try and win 5-0? I mean, they're mm. comfortable enough with a with 1-0 win. We know Alfaro... That is Alfaro, he's a coach who gets wins. Indeed. And he's doing it very, very well for Boca at the moment. He won, if I'm right in saying, I believe, uh, no, three out of uh, Boca's four Libertadores matches so far. I believe he only drew at home yes. to Liga de Quito with an unassailable lead. Again, because he didn't need to. He knew that um, he, his team could do enough to, to go through like that. And yeah, sometimes it's not particularly engaging to watch and the team has these kind of long spells where they don't appear to um, to do anything but the opposition aren't doing anything either I mean uh, we said after Superclasico there's there's teams like River who go forward everything like constantly constantly pushing forward um, but it's not the only way to, to win a football match and and Boca are showing that uh, yeah. very well. Yeah, if you want uh, uh, a nice to watch team by Alfaro, well, yeah, forget about it. And, and um, the problem is when they compare Boca with River, and, and you don't have to compare all the time uh, Boca with River because, of course, River have their way to play and Boca have their way, and, mm-hmm. and the ones who are leaders are Boca. Uh, then, then, of course, there are people saying, no, Boca doesn't play well because they score one goal and then they defend. And and people saying that they that River plays well because they score four goals, six against Racing, four against Huracan. And then you can when, you when the style isn't always yes. that different. I mean, River have in in against have Racing played, and, yeah, and against Huracan are playing on the counter attack. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they're just doing it with players who are in better form and also with you know pace. Basically, so much pace, I'm, so much uh, physical. Uh, power basically. and for all of the fact that, that Boca overall have a deeper squad I think one thing that the last couple of weeks have or maybe not the last couple but the last few weeks um, have demonstrated is that River have more strength in depth at centre forward because River have a better Boca had first team against, they have a better yeah. starting 11 but they also have a better selection of strike of, of, of strikers in my opinion because Boca well, have I mean now that Saturday and Avila are injured and Salvio I'd possibly agree with you. Precisely. Yes. I mean, Boca up front on, on Sunday have Franco Soldano, uh, who's not a bad forward at this no, level, but not decent. quite up to, up to the level that an in-form Abula is, is at. And Han Hurtado, I think to most people's surprise, just hasn't hit the ground running since he signed for Boca. He was brilliant for Gimnasia, mm. um, but he has yet to really have a single decent game um, mm. for Boca. Uh, but they've got you know midfielders who... Who know how to play football? Alexis Macalis, there and Emmanuel Reynoso on the same team. Yeah, Ivan Marconi, who runs everything yeah. in the middle. That's no, a very good team. It's very, very good. So, so it's kind of a, a strange one. And, and oh. as we say, I think Boca easily could have with with a, a more informed striker or 
a little bit more coolness in front of goal. They could have won more comfortably than one nil on Sunday, and I doubt that we would now be talking about why the television pundits are all obsessed with this idea that they play bad football. And then if Alfaro decides, for example, like he did against River, and that's why he was so criticised, to put uh, Soldano as a midfielder, well, that's not a problem of Soldano. No. It's a problem of Alfaro, or not a problem, it's the way he decided to play. Indeed, yeah, absolutely. Um, Moving on then to, having just said that the comparison is is ridiculous, going to make a point of not moving on to River Plate. We're going to move on to the Clásico. Rosario Central versus Newell's Old Boys. Um, it's been surprising for two reasons, really. One is that Maxi Rodriguez's grandma's house hasn't been firebombed, as far as I'm aware, in the Excellent. last week and a half. That's what good to hear. And the other is that the match wasn't completely and totally unwatchable. You'll um, have to tell me, Sam. I got up early on Sunday morning to watch the Basketball World Cup final, then I watched Racing, <laughs> and then after lunch I went for a nap. So, fill me in, please. What happened? The first half, admittedly wasn't a classic but it, it kind of caught light quite nicely in the second half was the atmosphere going fun? Uh, oh yeah Lots Central came up with an absolutely and... enormous I, I don't normally go in for TIFO fandom yeah. and going oh god look at this flag it's amazing <laughs> but they had a flag that went round all four sides of the stadium and covered both tiers of the ground when they unfurled it before impressive. kickoff and it was they showed an, an aerial shot of it and it was like uh, yeah that is quite impressive um, the goals came just two minutes apart Christian Lema scoring his third goal in two matches um, to open the scoring for Newell's. And then Claudio Riagno equalising almost immediately. The ball was in play for 55 seconds between the two. Actually, no, I think 55 seconds overall passed. I don't think it was in play. Even. So they, they, um, it's like they went from the middle after they, they conceded the goal and mm-hmm. they scored. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. I saw a couple of people on Twitter comparing it to um, the uh, uh, Prato's equaliser in the Bombonera in last year's Libertadores final for River. Uh, because of how quickly it happened afterwards, it was as if Newell's just switched off, and possibly Lema was still a little bit high from scoring. You know, it's one of the centre backs. Uh, he's not used to scoring three goals in two matches. So <laughs> there we go. Um, but yeah, the, the second half was a lively affair, end to end for most of it. And um, I wouldn't say it was like a classic for the ages, but as we said on Hand of Pod Extra um, last week, loads and loads and loads of draws in the history of this one. This was another one. Apparently, it is the classico with. The highest you percentage of draws. More than 100 was... Were draws... Some ridiculous draws I can't remember exactly what the figures Outranked were. both teams in that? I can't remember. Yes, they did. They yeah. did. Um, in, <laughs> in the professional era and overall and just in the league and all of the other numbers that we looked at, it was like, yeah, uh, 20 clear of either of the team's actual advantages. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as recent Clásico Rosarinos, Clásicos Rosarino have gone, um, this was a really good one. <laughs> In, in that it didn't um, make you want to tear your eyes out. Since they are fighting not to be related, that's remarkable. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, exactly as well. I mean, the quality on, on both sides was perhaps not the highest. Uh, in the first half, I have to say that it was one of the things that I, I was thinking at one point was that Rodriguez is clearly the best player on the pitch and Newells are being a bit unfair because they've got three of them. He played along uh, with his two cousins. Maxi and both of his cousins were all in the starting lineup. And they linked up really nicely together on a couple of occasions. Um, I think Maxi laid on a chance for Alexis, I think it was, and then later on in the half, Alexis put one in for Dennis, um, and they, Alexis and Dennis both messed them up. But um, it was it was good stuff, uh, generally speaking, as these things go. And now we will move on to Huracan versus River. Uh, it is now ten goals for and one against in 
two back-to-back away matches for River in the league. I think I am right in saying. In the league, at least. Oh, no, hang on. No, they played Tasheris at home, didn't they? Of course they did, yes. Um, Yes. So in away matches, in the league. Yes. My memory is is right there. Those two straight home games against Tasheris and Boca. And the international break in the middle as well, which makes it seem that wrestling game was much, much, much further or uh, longer ago. Uh, it's also remarkable like it because this called 10 goals in two away matches and one... No, and, and no goals in, in two home, no. home games. Yeah, that's uh, true. The, yeah. the two home games in between them, yeah, there was the 1-0 defeat to Tacheres and the 0-0 draw with Boca. Um, as I say, they're, at the moment, at least, they're, they're, they're playing on the counter... Um, in at least in these two away victories that we're thinking of, um, but they were still largely completely on top, really, against Huracan. Um, pardon me, Tommy walked out a bit too much gas in it. We won't tell anyone something. Huracan um, were kind of maybe the better side for about the first five minutes or so, but not not, possibly. Uh, not having chances. Yeah. Uh, then yes, it was all about River and the idea. Uh, River went one up nineteen minutes in, but by that point they'd already been on top for about ten minutes, haven't they? At least, yes. and then after that, it was just like Urakan for some reason were like, "Oh, I know what we'll do. Let's try and defend on the halfway line against <laughs> yeah. the fastest counter-attacking side, probably on the." Yeah, I really don't remember, or at least uh, yeah, in the last times, a team playing home and not having any chance mm. to score. Uh, of course, well, they were played off the park, yes. massive. Yes. Boise and Sven. And that was a defeat that cost the job of the latest coach. What is that? Six down now? In six rounds? It's got to be in that region, hasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Juan, I believe, Vojvoda. Vojvoda. Yes. Vojvoda. Who is taking over at Godoy Cruz. Excellent. Apparently. Good luck to him. expected to take over at yeah. Godoy Cruz. And I feel like we missed a trick. This came just a couple of weeks late because it would have been great to see Maradona possibly at Huracan with his assistant... <laughs> With his assistant, El Turco Garcia. Mm. That would have been one hell of a double act. It would. But hey, a man can dream. It wasn't to be, though. It wasn't to be, no. Uh, yeah, Rodrigan uh, in a little bit of problems. They actually started right this season, did they not? They had a couple of wins uh, after just... that horrible Mohamed uh, spell. Rodrigan's matches so far this season have played at least one good been... game, I remember. Uh, draw with Boca on the opening weekend. Yeah, they beat Colón. Uh, so two pretty home. decent results to start. Off. And then it's been a defeat away to Patronato, a very uninspiring draw away to Argentinos, and then back-to-back defeats four-one against Newells with Cristian Lema scoring those first two goals of his three and two, um, and now four-nil at home to Huracan. It's probably uh, the sorry, margin. Uh, yeah. River. It's probably the margin of the last two defeats rather than the defeats themselves, which have. Provide that decision on yeah, surprising. They're, they're away to Defensa y Justicia this weekend. Mm. And a couple of weeks ago, I think we might have called this like one of the ones to miss for sure because they were both really out of form. But with Defensa picking things up a little bit recently, um, I, I think that that's going to be a tough ask for whoever is taking over this weekend in the Huracan hot seat. The Huracan hot seat. Um, I'd still miss it though, to be fair. I wouldn't change that advice. Uh, no, I, d- I don't think I'm going to be making a point of rushing home for it if it's nice weather and I'm out for a walk or something. But uh, we'll see. I, I don't know what time the kickoff is yet, so we'll find out <laughs> later when we come to Mystic Sam. Uh, do we know who's taking charge, though? Is this, do we have an expected replacement manager? 
No, I... it was Eduardo Dominguez linked with Lacan, but not not something certain or sure. Eduardo Dominguez who had already managed Huracan and yes. did well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's had a bit of a funny managerial career so far, hasn't he? He's had, was it Colón where he started out? Yeah. He didn't do particularly well. And then he went to Huracan and um, did all right. And then he went somewhere else. Can't yes. remember. Possibly back to Colón. Uh, yeah, did he have two spells at Yeah, I think he might have done. Yes, I think so. You think he started over again? Hmm. Here he is with his wonderful beard. Um, he began his managerial career at. Oh, you're quite right at Orakan. 2015. Not long ago. Mm. Good grief. Um, and then he went to Colón. Ah, Nacional. And then, and then he went to Nacional. Oh. Yes, in 2015 it was, it was that uh, they went to Huracan, uh, eliminated River from Copa Sudamericana. Yes, of course, yeah, well done. Um, so, yeah, if he, I mean, if he were to return, then that would be... Presumably Something, most yeah. of the fans would be happy enough with that. Yeah. We'll have to wait. Couldn't do any worse than the last two, I'm guessing. Supporters <laughs> and, and uh, female supporters, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Very possibly. It, it is a very handsome beard. Yes. Well, bad looking man, actually, Eduardo Dominguez. Uh, anyway, moving on. Who have we not talked about yet? San Lorenzo, five, we have to talk about. We've got about. two of them, and we're going to talk about San Lorenzo because they went into the weekend on top of the table and finished the weekend second in the table thanks to a 2 1 defeat away to Colon. Luis Rodriguez scored a penalty after half an hour to put the hosts 1 0 up. Angel Romero equalised very early on in the second half um, and then Wilson Morello scored what proved to be the winner with 12 minutes to go and really I, I think you'd be hard pressed to say that Colón weren't at least a bit fortunate and that San Lorenzo maybe could have been luckier in that game um, yeah. but also they seem to lack more than a little bit of coolness in front of goal I'm looking in particular at Mr. a young Mr. Adam Barreiro, who he's been fairly slapdash I mean, since joining San Lorenzo. Yeah, he's missed some um, some very uh, inviting chances. If if we criticised Christian Pavon in the past for sometimes playing as if he's got a bucket on the he- on his head when he's out on the wing, mm. it's one thing doing it when you're out on the wing and playing like that, but it's quite another when you're trying to you know when you're the centre forward and you're supposed to be putting it in the net. Yes, and you appear not to be able to see where the goal is. You know, <laughs> the finishes just go everywhere. It's it's. Uh, I think you could do a very good sort of slapstick video with the Benny Hill theme music or something behind it, just if you sped up all of his finishes mm. and cut them all together. Um, he's not the most clinical striker in world football. I no, I believe he costs San Lorenzo dear in uh, Libertadores as well. Um, he had a bit. Of, he had a real stinker against Cerro Porteño that um, uh, second leg. Uh, yeah, I mean he's young. We know that young strikers sometimes have these um, these troughs. If if you can hear some um, cheering in the background, by the way, Banfield have just missed or had a penalty saved in the kit in the shootout. And as you were saying, Dan, when we came upstairs mm-hmm. in the stairs next to my neighbours. He's a Lanús fan. Yep. So I'm guessing that's what, what uh, you might have just heard. I, I could awesome. hear it on the, I don't know whether you heard it, but the, the microphone seems to have picked it up. <laughs> anyway, sorry, carry on. No, I've not really got that much more to say. Um, there was some rather suspect defending from uh, from San Lorenzo as well in the second goal where it seemed like Morelos 
picked up a free kick mm. in blissful solitude is the only way to say it uh, don't know what happened the free kick from very deep and I think they just fell asleep didn't they because he got in behind yeah. in, really my opinion, in my opinion uh, Colón have uh, as you mentioned that the Boca perhaps doesn't have that great strikers well because Zarate and, and Davila are injured mostly but Colón have great and, and in this case they are showing uh, Morelos is great and, and, and well Pulgar Rodriguez we don't have to talk about his reputa- reputation precedes him of course yes uh, and they are Absolutely. both uh, scoring great I think or they are doing great mm. and, and in just to mark perhaps the opposite to, to Barreiros perhaps uh, uh, high pressure he has for to play in San Lorenzo so yes they, they I think they are they are uh, great I, I wouldn't say they will be the revelation of the Superliga, but they, at this time they are just great. Yeah, absolutely. We'll be there or thereabouts, I think, at the end of the season. Um, I think this this defeat won't um, won't precipitate a slump. And perhaps most crucially of all, at least from all of our points of views, as you know, relative neutrals and not as, mm. as fans, as people who just want to be entertained when we watch San Lorenzo, and perhaps not so bothered about the results. Mm. They're good value. That they remain not deathly boring to watch anymore as, as they were last season this is true which is nice um, the other one of the big five who we have not yet discussed are Independiente and their match with Lanús turned out to be also much more entertaining than I was expecting it to be <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest um, it didn't look like it was going to be one minute into the second half when Silvio Romero broke free and scored his second goal of the game to put Independiente 2-0 up against his old club um, it looked then as if it was going to be a cakewalk, but Lanús clawed their way back into it with a goal from Lautaro Valenti just three minutes later. And then who else but Jose Sand mm-hmm. made it 2-2, uh, nine minutes into the second half, smashing in from the edge of the six-yard box after the ball fell to him from a corner. And the rest of the second half just consisted of Independiente having occasional counter-attacks mm-hmm. as Lanús seemed to be piling forward in search of a third goal. And actually, I found it quite, again, as, as a complete neutral, not really caring who won either way. Um, I found it quite entertaining. I must say, I've only see, I only saw the highlights, and from what I saw, yeah, uh, Lanús got back into it, and then they really could have nicked it. They had three or four fantastic chances to to take um, the initiative, let's say, mm. uh, take that, take all three points. Um, Becasese, he started right in the Beniente, but it's not looking great for him. There's guys. Uh, who were very good for Defensa Justicia who have now come with him to Independiente one particular example uh, Barbosa the centre-back who look well out of their depth at El Grande something very similar has happened at Racing so far with Matias Rojas the, the number 10 mm. um, but Rojas is in a, in a place where there's plenty of different options plenty of um, Alternatives to him if he's not playing well. Um, I don't think Independiente really have that much at the back, and they're looking very fragile. And I believe as well, um, there's been some other problems with Becca Sesi. Something I caught yeah, one that the, happened with Pablo Perez. But one of the subplots of the week has been. Yes, I didn't look further into it, but if one of you guys knows the score, Andres, so you're, you're a gossip columnist. What happened with oh, Becca yeah, Sesi? Yeah, apparently, apparently, they've hugged and made up. Since. Is this right? That is, that is bad. I, I am, Sorry, no, I'm, uh, yes. that, that's an, an in-joke referring to your actual previous life as a, yeah, a, I, a I, gossip column. Yes, I, I write about paparazzis, but uh, this doesn't have to do with that. But anyway, 
uh, I think he broke into the into the uh, dressers and uh, uh, just broke a, or or hit a, a, a board a pizarron the chalkboard chalkboard yes, yes. Uh, and threw a, or or kicked a, a bottle and shouting that they were marking not very well that of course made Becachese uh, angry and after he he Becachese decided to for Perez to continue playing anyway then he replaced uh, Perez at, at the 33rd minute of the second half but then he decided that he won't take him into account anymore but wasn't this I, I read something earlier or, or saw a headline or for I think yesterday it, or today saying that they've hugged and made up now or something and that it's it's all well sunshine and flowers again perhaps this is <laughs> this is what this is what happened after the match and then when things calm down hmm. I think Paris apologized of course after that uh, reaction uh, and uh, at, at first Perez uh, said that he wouldn't uh, he will split uh, Perez from the professionals uh, school mm. but perhaps yesterday or in the latest uh, hours he apologized and, and, and well Vicachesa understood that he is important but when the match ended the, the, the idea of, of Vicachesa was not to take him uh, more into account anymore uh, yeah. as, as well as Domingo Nicolas Domingo but in this case because of the of his performances that haven't been very very good uh, did either of you catch Arsenal's 4-1 win over Union a little bit of it I think it I, was uh, fairly routine like Arsenal were, again, were on top all the they, way they scored twice in the opening five minutes and yeah. I get the impression that that was probably the most important five minutes of the game yeah which again might not be the most original observation that you're going to hear all, all episode yeah. um, on the other hand with this podcast maybe it is there is one more match I think bears uh, mentioning but I, since it's not a Superliga game you I don't know if you want to do it before the break or after before you do mention it Dan I'm just going to point out that Arsenal's fourth goal in that one was scored by Joel Sonora who mm. is the young United Statesian mm. member um, of Arsenal's squad and therefore some of our listeners might be interested to hear that Indeed. I don't think he's made an international debut yet for anybody he's, I um, think he's been called up to the US squad I've seen him there or thereabouts or, boss, so, or perhaps one of their youth teams yeah. but he's not far off potentially use, useful I'll say useless uh, information awesome. for some of you there or interesting information at least um, yeah you may as well mention this other game you're talking about now as well Dan. Um in the Primera Nacional Atlanta 2 uh, no Chicago 2 Atlanta 2 because it was the final mm. game of um, one of the lo- the lower divisions idols Cristian Gomito Gomez 87 years old indeed still able to do it in the second 44 division. which is very very more impressive. than halfway to 87 yeah and also our United States in listeners will recognise him because he had a very distinguished oh, yeah. Career in MLS for yes. DC United and back for, in the 1890s. Uh, yeah. Come on, Sam. He's old jokes, really. He's older um, than me, and we thought that Dignes was old. Well, yes. yeah. It's incredible. And his his farewell match was fantastic because it was an official league game and everything. Um, Chicago, obviously, always looking to get back to Superliga, getting back to the top flight. Uh, big game against Atlanta, who've been one of the pace setters so far in, in that group. Um, but, you know, obviously. Emotion and uh, sentimentality outweighs everything. So they arranged for him to start and then B. 
be substituted ten minutes into the game. It was it was quite um, it was quite something to see because you know it's a league match, second division. We know this very full blooded, and then it just stopped. He took his time and you know applauded all four corners. After uh, came off the pitch, stayed on the sidelines where uh, Tessis Bort, who um, who was screening the game live, uh, decided to have a little interview for, with him. And for a while, the game was going on blissfully <laughs> unaware in the background, while the camera and the commentators were just chatting to uh, Gomida. And we had no idea at all what was actually happening in, on the pitch. <laughs> at least they didn't miss any goals. Actually, well, they might have done. I they didn't. Watch no. Okay. I think there was a chance, possibly, but it wasn't a very good chance. On that note, uh, we're going to call half-time now. Uh, oh, I thought that said 30 minutes, but it's actually just ticked over to 40. It was on 39 minutes all this time. I apologise. That was a very long half compared with what it I is. wanted. Uh, when we come back, we will discuss the standings as they are very briefly. I'll just run you through the standings in, in the relegation table as well as the actual league table. Um, and then we will go into some listeners' questions and some other stuff, if mm. we can think of anything. Don't go away. Okay, we're going to begin, as I said, with a quick rundown of the standings. As I mentioned already, the top two are Boca Juniors with 14 points and no goals conceded, and San Lorenzo with 13 points, and this would have sounded really weird if we'd said it at the start of the year, 11 goals scored and 7 conceded um, after 6 matches. Uh, Tacheres are third, also with 13 (coughs) points, they're behind San Lorenzo on goal difference. Arsenal's win after those two straight Defeats means that they're back up to fourth, just ahead of Argentinos. Both of those teams have 12 points. Uh, River Plate, Lanús and Patronato. Bit of a sleeper team there, Patronato. Mm-hmm. They're all in 11 points. where they left off uh, at the end of uh, last season. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, in sixth, seventh and eighth place, River on goal difference ahead of Lanús. Lanús are separated from Patronato on goals scored. Newells and Rosario Central are both on 10 points, as are Belles, down in 11th. Mm. Um, Newells are just ahead on goal difference there as well. But, of course, that's a good segue into the relegation table. Newells with their game in hand still, right? Yes. yes. In the rele- yeah. Oh, you're quite right. Yeah, of course, they, their game against Independiente still hasn't... Has it been rescheduled? No, I don't think it has, no. has it? Um, from the second round when Independiente suddenly <laughs> had to play the Copa Sudamericana. The very next day, so that game got delayed. In the relegation zone, um, at the moment, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero have five points from six matches. They're bottom. Gimnasia, Diego Maradona's Gimnasia, as we're now contractually obliged Mm. to call them, uh, have 57 points from 58 games. But they are off the bottom, thanks to Central Córdoba losing. Um, So that's... The Maradona effect's already taken hold. Indeed, yeah. <laughs> uh, Rosario Central and Banfield are currently dead level on 68 points from 58 games played each. By the way, during the half-time break, 
Banfield did go out of the Copa Argentina on penalties to Tacheres. There is another Copa Argentina game uh, kicking off in about an hour. That's Godoy Cruz versus River. And obviously, if you listen to the very end of the podcast, I will give you the final score of that. Um, but in the relegation table, Central and Banfield at the moment would have to play a desempate, a tie break, to decide who stays up and who goes down. Uh, because they are straddling the safety zone. And then, as Dan says, Newell's have got a game in hand against Independiente. They've also got 68 points. So if they lost the game in hand against Independiente, then they would also go into that. They would become a three-team tie-break, of whom two of the teams would be the two teams in Rosario, <laughs> which could be dramatic. Yes. Um, two points above that lot on 70 points from 58 games of Patronato. And then just above them on 71 are both Estudiantes and Colón. Um, there's then a bit of a jump to Aldo Civi who have 38 from 31 so difficult to work out but to give you some idea Lanús are above Aldo Civi with 74 from 58 so that's a three point gap between Lanús and Colón and Aldo Civi are somewhere in the middle of it some big um, teams down there it's yeah. going to be very interesting this year though. and it's also unlike last season or I feel as if this is unlike last season at least after the first few games because last season we had a couple of the teams involved who looked like they were going to be in deep trouble at the beginning of the, mm. the season and they both had really good I can't remember who it was I think Belles might have been one of them they, they had really good starts and sort of pulled well clear now we're six games into this season and really you're looking from 24th all the way up to definitely Colón in, in 17th um, very very much involved in the relegation struggle and possibly up to Aldo Civi uh, who haven't started this season anywhere near as quickly I mean so far this season, Aldo Civi have got five points. Uh, you've got Patronato and Newells have both, and, and Central have both got, have, all three of them have got 10, so, uh, 10 or 11. Patronato have got 11. Um, so Aldo Civi could be dragged down into them as well. Are we pulling the plug on uh, Central Córdoba already, or are we banking on, uh, on them to pick up points during that sweltering uh, Santiago de Listero summer? Is the that new, where they're going to come into their own? We know that the newly promoted sides just need a couple of wins and, and they can be back up and out of it. Uh, at least overnight if, if nothing else so I don't think that we should rule them out yet but certainly it's going to be tricky for them the more they end up waiting have they, have they won yet? they have won in a game yes. I believe they beat Defensive Justicia perhaps They've got one win two draws and three defeats and the win was against that's the Copa Argentina uh, the win was against Atletico Tucumán Atletico Tucumán in the second yeah. round yes um so yeah, it, it's it's going to be tricky for them, um, obviously. But if they do, if something you know, if, if a ball goes into the goal off off somebody's arse or whatever and gets them a, a lucky win, then that could help them a lot. Yes. Um, so we will have to wait and see. I wouldn't write them off just yet, but certainly it's going to be tricky for them. Gimnasia are, of course, the team who everybody's going to have their eye on now. But arguably, more of a drama remains between Newells and Central, who remain deadlocked. It's clear that, that they are uh, well. Barana will have to prove that he's doing. He will do something more than uh, something some, that only motivate the players mm-hmm. and, and do something really, really different. Uh, well, of course, it's only one match that 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 uh, they played, and and it's time to, to see what happens. But it's of course very difficult for him. Indeed, yes. Um, we've got a little bit of national team news for you because you might remember a couple of weeks ago we said that the Basque country had announced that their friendly, which was definitely a thing, a real-life thing that was actually organised against Argentina, had had to be cancelled, and the AFA turned around and said, hang on, what friendly? Um, Well, now the AFA have confirmed the second opponents that they will be facing. 
next week's next week no next month's international break is going to see them play against Germany in Dortmund which we already knew apparently although I didn't because I wasn't paying that much attention and against Ecuador in a venue that is yet to be confirmed but from the sounds of it is going to be either Madrid or Barcelona so following week Yes, yeah, so the Germany game will be on the, I'm guessing, the Thursday or the Friday of the international break, and then the Ecuador game will be on the Tuesday, presumably. Games that won't include uh, River and Boca players we can reasonably assume. Yes, probably not. They also, of course, won't include Lionel Messi, because he's still suspended for being a very naughty boy. Very naughty boy. And making Comebel's mum upset. Yes. Um, Anyway, he was injured on the last day. Uh, Yesterday he played, I think, 30 minutes. Yeah, he came on. He did. Yes. I, I missed his substitution onto the pitch because my television company decided to not show me 20 minutes of the second half of that game. Excellent. Um, or to show me any television at all, in fact, for those 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, he, he did indeed make his return from injury um, in the European Cup against away uh, to Dortmund. German. Dortmund. Yes, oh, yeah, of course, yeah, in, in Dortmund, fittingly. Yes. Uh, so there we go. Um, listeners, qu- are we moving straight on to listeners' questions? Well, it's yeah, quite a long first bit, wasn't it? So, Newell's Old Boys in English says, In the honest opinion of you fine gentlemen, should this have been a penalty? Uh, if you want to see what this is that he's talking about, then head over to our Twitter account at twitter.com slash handofpod. I've just retweeted it. Um, it is a video. Just retweet as if we were talking live. Indeed, yes. Um, I retweeted it as I was saying that sentence, but obviously by the time you hear this, it would have been retweeted some time ago. It's a video of uh, a penalty that was not given during the, cent- uh, the Central, the Rosario Clasico, um, of a Central defender clattering Annual's Ford uh, after consulting, or rather asking him to consult for us, the rules about whether it could be given as a penalty if it was off the pitch. Um, it turns out that it can be, in which case, if I'd been the referee then yes, it would have been a penalty. Yes. Uh, but it's in Central Stadium. It's a famously fiery affair. Indeed. You perhaps have to be a pretty brave referee unless you were completely certain. Yes. yes. I think that's But the referee thought about his mother and himself and, and didn't <laughs> award it. Yes. That's a very uh, nice way of putting it, Andres. Thank you. Um, indeed. It was, you see, the contacts... I've got, he, he's been kind enough to uh, send us a, a freeze frame here. The contact might start inside the just inside the pitch, mm-hmm. um, but from where the referee is looking, I think it would be very difficult. To, it's a new to rule, say. right? Uh, that the if the fall the fall is out of the pitch, but is uh, the, the, the the closest area is inside is in the, the area. Exactly, it's a, yeah. Which is so we have was, to imagine the lines of the area now go behind the goal as if it was a yeah. cricket crease, which mm. uh, projects across the pitch, the field. Precisely. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Um, we then have... We haven't had met very many questions, actually, this week. The other this is point. from... Oh, here we go. Lawrence Hart asks the other one. Are any Argentine top-flight clubs publicly endorsing any of the candidates in the presidential election? I mean, yes. San Lorenzo, since their president, no. is one of the candidates running on in a the, presidential in a, ticket. For the mayor of Buenos Aires, yeah. Yes, and, and then, right. by extension, probably by default. But I don't think even yeah. they are publicly endorsing them, because that would be a horrendous conflict of interest. And also not publicly, but uh, Argentine Juniors have given a gift to Alberto Fernandez, I think, when they play against River. Uh, as he said, oh, because he's a massive Argentine supporter, yes, but I don't know if it's public endorsement. No, clubs don't do that, and nor should they, really. I no. mean, there have been players, um, just before the primary elections, there was a uh, communique uh, signed by 
uh, a whole host of uh, current and former players, mm. veering much more towards the latter. Not that many current players signed it. I think one of them, who is always a current player, he must be about 50 now, uh, Martin Galmarini, who is, of course, uh, the brother-in-law of uh, Sergio Massa. Of course he is, yeah, yes. I always forget that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another guy I saw, and I saw um, after those elections, a couple of footballers um, celebrating. One of them, can you guess who? Teo Gutierrez. Mm, Obviously yeah. not Teo Gutierrez, <laughs> but go Nahuel Guzman, uh, yes. Guzman uh, was one. Uh, he's a guy who's often uh, spoken out about politics. He... Um, uh, support. He's a big supporter of the uh, Abuelas de la Plaza de Mayo, the group who mm. look for the um, the kids who were snatched by uh, the last Argentine dictatorship in the 70s and 80s. Another guy was um, Ricky Centurion, sent a message saying "Vamos a volver" with um, some with his virtual fingers in a V. Mm-hmm. And another guy. I don't know if it. He didn't, you know, I don't think he uses um, social media at all, but um, Alejandro Savela um, turned up in the presentation of Cristina's book in La Plata. He was in the front row. Ah, hmm. That's curious since, uh, well, it's like Lancho Fernandez going to the presentation of Maradona as a coach, but uh, uh, Cristina is uh, known that he's a gymnasia supporter. Ah, that was also happened during uh, Maradona's Presentation. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, Cristina's sister, who's a gimnasia socia, lifelong supporter, as well as, you know, along with uh, Cristina's mum, who I think has, a, has even got a filial or something along those lines named after her. Uh, she turned up at Maradona's inaugural press conference, gave him, I, don't know, I think it was a brooch or a pin or something that belonged to her mum, and Maradona burst into tears and gave her a nice hug. Oh, oh that's nice. Yeah, so that's... That's something. Um, those are the examples that spring to mind off the top of my head. But no, I mean no, no clubs will will make official endorsements. And as no. I said, that's not their place at all. Then there is a girl, a girl about uh, that's Macarena Sanchez, <coughs> who I know because I I read and I knew I I saw some Instagram. No, I don't know posts, but likes and and and, and responses. That he he supports uh, Alberto Fernandez also. She. Yes, she. Yeah. I was going to say something and I forgot what it was because I was frantically looking for. I I thought somebody had tweeted me some Mystic Sam predictions and had done it to my account, but I can't find it anywhere in my mentions. I know you had one more question which I saw earlier, unless it's been deleted. Ronnie Mazumda, um, whose uh, reply for some reason didn't show up until just now, even though he actually replied ages ago mm-hmm. uh, I mean it, did, it wasn't showing up on the Twitter notifications page um, says just curious about Ezequiel Palacios contract situation he has a 15 million euro buyout clause and he didn't want to sign a contract extension with River uh, is there any chance of him moving to Europe soon uh, if by soon he means uh, January then yes definitely yes if he continues with these performances at the national team and, and especially against the would I come for River? Yes, it's it's hard to to, to say now because uh, uh, if the next match is uh, he doesn't play the way he he did it this this uh, oh, two matches last two matches well uh, but if he continues with this performance well it's quite 
uh, possible and with the, yes the, with the release clause that is 15 million dollar mm. yes it's still yes apparently and Donofrio I don't know why he he's talking too much uh, lately <laughs> saying that yes him himself and his agent didn't want to 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 raise their that release clause mm. uh, which yes. seems a bit odd yes I mm. mean apart from anything else the way that River have the um, their uh, uh, clauses for the family and everything if they were to raise the release clause and therefore get more money for the sale Palacios family would get more money as well because don't they give like 5% of the proceeds to the family or something when they sell a player or river Some, I remember it being something like that a couple of years ago at least it's the, perhaps they thought, they thought that if they release uh, they raise it uh, there won't be any m much that that uh, offers or a lot of offers and uh, but 15 million sounds like yeah sometimes in january the you like you think yes. offers are going to come up but teams don't want to necessarily splash out or or kind of disrupt their squad so it's not quite as much a free for all as as in uh, june and july yes that has something to it's do it's curious with. because martinez cuarta has a release cost of 22 million so it's higher than than palacios he's a bit older though isn't he yes. he's what 23 24 uh, Martinez Cuarta. Yeah. Is he? Is he that old? I'd love to be that old. <laughs> well, it's two or three years that he has been playing for. He's been around for, for a while. He is, it says here, born 19, May 1996. Yeah, you're right, though. he's 23. 23. I thought he was the same age as, as Palacios. No, he's a little bit older than Palacios. There we go. You learn yes. something new every day. So yes, um, there is a very good chance he will move in December, in January. But we shall see to whom. Indeed we will. Um, on that note, I think it's time to go over to Mystic Sam, who it turns out doesn't have an opponent this week, mm -hmm. just as I did two weeks ago. As I said, I thought somebody had chickens. Me, but are there are chickens of, that they don't they want to challenge you? Yeah, no, people Must are too cowardly to do so. Yes. Uh, so after this music, you'll hear how pathetically I did last weekend, and then you'll hear my predictions for this coming weekend, uh, all on my own. So that's that. Don't go We're away. We're here for you, sir. Thank you. Okay, last week my away win heavy strategy uh, went quite well because three of them were right and I ended up with six out of 13 overall, which I'm pleased cool. enough with. That would be a fairly decent average if I could do it every week. Uh, this week, therefore, I'm completely ignoring away wins. I'm going for one of them and no more than that. Um, some of these, by the way, are going to be matches that you should watch those matches we will point out as I go through and you should watch them on Fanatis if you're outside Argentina head over to fntz.co slash hop and use the discount code hopfz to get a 7 day free trial followed by 20% off your first 3 months with the internet's finest Argentine football watching streaming service for people living outside Argentina let me guess the only away victory you chose was Boca. Is um, it right? We'll have to wait and see. Oh, okay. We will have to wait and see. You'll find out in a few short seconds. Here we go. My predictions for this weekend. On Friday, there are two games. Union versus Rosario Central. 
and Argentinos versus Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero. I am predicting two home victories for those matches. On Saturday, Estudiantes versus Patronato is going to be a draw. Defensa y Justicia versus Huracán is going to be a Defensa y Justicia win, which I think is probably fair after the way Huracán played against River last week. San Lorenzo versus Boca. Mm. One of the games you should definitely watch this weekend, second versus first. I think it's going to be a draw. San Lorenzo's famously strong head-to-head record against Boca is what swayed me there. The only away win of this weekend is, in my opinion, going to come in Tucumán, where Atlético hosts Independiente. I think that Becasese is going to get some grace. If he can't beat Atlético this season, he might as well just stop trying. Indeed, yeah. Uh, On Sunday, we begin at 11 in the morning with Newell's Old Boys versus Aldo City, which is going to be a draw. Followed by Godoy Cruz versus Banfield at lunchtime. I think that that's also going to be a draw. I think that Lanús are going to beat Colón. I think that Racing versus Arsenal, which is another match you should definitely watch. Yes. IMO. The all Avellaneda game, because Sarandi <laughs> is part of Avellaneda, uh, even though it's not actually a classical, in spite of what Arsenal fans might tell you. Uh, I think that that one is going to be a. God, how far up are we now? I think that one's going to be a draw. Racing, of course, inspire half of Arsenal's shirt. Because Grandona, yes, when he founded the club, he used half Racing, half Independiente. Sorry to interrupt your mystic Sam Richard, but about the shirts, Arsenal against Union played almost with the same shirts. Yes. You see that? It, it, was, it was like a, a, the antithesis of what happened in Paris today in the, in the European Cup between <laughs> PSG and Real Madrid wearing each other's kits, which was ridiculous as well. Um, and then the final two games of the weekend. On Sunday evening, River host Belles, and on the assumption that River are going to be taking it seriously, I'm going for a, a River win. It'll be a very good game. Actually, that's yes. two games back-to-back, which ought to be really entertaining Excellent. if we look at the team's form coming into it. We won't have to go out on Sunday then. And then there's only one game on Monday evening, and it's Tacheres versus Gimnasia. And I'm sorry, Diego, but I'm going for a Tacheres win. <laughs> A bunch of fairly decent, interesting-looking games there. You've got San Lorenzo, Boca, the Classico. You've got those two games on Sunday that we just mentioned. Um, Godoy Cruz, Banfield, if they both turn up, could be good. And if they don't, then it could very well not be. Um, even Atletico Tucumán versus Independiente. I kind of think with the situation this week that we described earlier with Becasese and, and Pablo Perez, it, there's going to be something worth... You reckon there's going to be a reaction? Yeah, possibly. But I mean, even if there isn't, there's likely to be some kind of a, a drama, I think. It yes, feels I think that's to say. interesting to see. It's not an easy stadium to go to. Uh, no, regardless of Atletico Tucumán, as you said, not, not being in the best of form, it always, again, feels like a, tricky, a, a difficult it's, yeah. way. It's a bit like Godoy Cruz at the moment. They're not actually that good so far yeah. this season, but or if you go to them, it's not going to be easy. What time is that match? Uh, which one? Atletico Tucumán against 8 o'clock on ah, Saturday evening ah, that's safe for Argentine it. time so that's uh, midnight Saturday night mm-hmm. if you're in the UK and seven, uh, hang on. Eastern Seaboard of the US is one hour behind us at the moment isn't it yes. so it's 7pm uh, if you're in New York or you know where the Eastern Seaboard is if you live there if you're anywhere there um, so yeah well it's safe uh, thinking about, talking about the temperature uh, Perhaps not that yeah. sa- not that safe uh, for Rosario's news. 
uh, they play 11 a.m. and that's I think is quite hot. Yeah, it depends on yeah. the forecast. Still, yeah. we're not yeah. quite in spring yet, but well, we will be by Sunday. We will. Saturday yes. is the first day of spring. Yay! So enjoy the beginning of spring. If like us, you're down here in the southern hemisphere, and enjoy the oncoming, encroaching, wintry darkness. Uh, <laughs> if you're up in the northern hemisphere, you can light up some of that wintry darkness with the use of your computer or mobile phone or tablet screen mm. by going to Fanatis. That's fntz.co/hop and watching Argentine football by using the discount code yes. HOPFZ. And if you live on the equator, just keep doing what you're doing, I guess. Yeah, if yeah. you live on the equator, then hopefully you're at an altitude which makes the temperature bearable all year round, and uh, we're very jealous of you. Indeed. In that case. Um, anyway, for now, if you're a patron supporter, by the way, you're about to get Hand of Pod Extra featuring just me and Dan, because Andres is rushing off to watch Godoy Cruz versus River at home in 35 minutes' mm. time that kicks off. So hopefully you'll get over time, Andres. Um, but for now, thank you very much for listening and goodbye from English Dan. Goodbye. From Andres. See you, goodbye. And from me, thanks and goodbye. I'm having to record around the cat, so if you can't hear me very well, then I apologise. But the Copa Argentina has finished for the evening. River Plate got a 1-0 win over Godoy Cruz. Goodbye.